This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Lily Chai. I believe a lot of us have heard and know the existence of plant-based meat. And a new brand from Indonesia has entered the Malaysian market, which is Green Rebel Foods. Its co-founder and CEO Helga Angelina Jayadi of Green Rebel Foods is here with me in the studio. Uh, she started the business with her partner, Max Mandias, back in September 2020. And she's here to share more about Green Rebel Foods with us. Welcome to the show, Helga. Hi, Lily. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, tell me, why did you start to do uh, to start to make plant-based meat? Uh, have you been, you know, a vegan or a vegetarian before you started Green Rebel Foods? Yes, uh, way long before uh, I even, you know, uh, had the idea to actually open a business. Um, so I started becoming a vegetarian when I was fifteen. Um, I did it for my health. So I had some autoimmune conditions. Uh, and basically, I was reading some books. Um, and I read a few books that recommended a whole food plant based diet, right? I gave it a try. Uh, so two years, actually, slowly, gradually, my sickness just became less and less intense. And it's gone at some point. So I guess that's how I started to get very passionate about, um, you know, healthy plant based mm. diet, right? Um, and I met my partner, Max, uh, when I was studying in the Netherlands. Um, and my partner uh, used to be such a big meat eater. Um, he used to be a bit chubby. And um, <laughs> he would eat, you know, like, I think at least two types of meat in every meal. Uh, and I think it was in 2012 that he dig deeper into kind of like why some people, including me, became vegetarian, right. right? And actually, he found out a lot more facts that I didn't know as a vegetarian <laughs> back then. Right. Uh, so I did it for my health. And of course, gradually, I learned to appreciate that, hey, you know, because I'm vegetarian, I'm not supporting an industry that is, you know, like related to slaughterhouses, right? So I felt good. Uh, but then uh, my partner actually found uh, some research, United Nations research by FAO, um, it was 20, I think it was a research in 2010, uh, basically finding that animal agriculture is one of the leading contributors of climate change. Uh, and basically one of the ways for us to be able to uh, maintain the temperature of this earth uh, to be pleasantly inhabitable mm. for all of us is actually reducing meat and dairy consumption. Um, and I think my partner and I are pretty similar when we we are the type of people, if we know something, we would like to do it 100%. So um, he went overnight to become vegan. Um, oh, and really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Overnight, and he lost like 12 kilos within the first three months. Um, he was already very athletic, so mm. he did kung fu and basketball. And what he realized that actually when he started becoming vegan, his energy level went up. And his right. recovery improved by a lot. And so I guess after learning all those benefits that we experienced ourselves, we became very passionate together. Um, and that was the time when we started thinking about, hey, you know, we want to go back to Indonesia, which mm -hmm. is our home country. Uh, we want to promote this beautiful uh, lifestyle, but in a way that is giving people solutions, mm -hmm. right? Because when we talk about food, um, I think a lot of people want to be healthy. Right. And I'm sure everybody wants to 
preserve the earth, right? We love the planet. Mm-hmm. But decision of make like what to eat or what to put on your plate really uh, depends on whether the food is delicious and gives us the satisfaction when yes. we eat. So that's how we actually you know, thought that um, nine years ago, actually, we started to open a, a restaurant concept called Bear Greens. Uh, it's one of the first modern plant-based restaurants in Indonesia. It's now the largest chain. Uh, we've got 10 outlets in Jakarta and Bali. And we had started developing the meat alternatives for our own use right. back then. But then, you know, as you said, Green Rebel was uh, a pandemic baby. So it was born <laughs> in 2020 in response to the consumer behavior that changed right. uh, because a lot of people stayed at home, wanted to cook at a home, and basically we turned uh, Burgreen's bestsellers into frozen food under a different brand called Green Rebel. Hmm. Uh, are the restaurants still up and running in Indonesia? Yes, it's still up and running. Right, so you're doing both. You're running restaurants at the same time producing... Uh, it's, I guess it wouldn't be two different entities because they kind of overlap as well because you're, you're, uh, the Green Rebel foods will be supplied to your restaurants anyway, right? Correct. It's um, I would say it's aligned. It's within the same mm. industry, although we're talking about different scale, right? Yeah. Producing for your own restaurant right. is easy. Mm-hmm. But once we actually started working with uh, bigger F&B chains mm-hmm. that are using our uh, plant-based meat as part of their ingredients, um, the level of the, op- the operation complexity becomes a lot higher. Right. Um, so yeah, there definitely there was a lot of skill up in the manufacturing side. Just before I go into more on the business side of things, were you and Max both doing anything related to food before that? I definitely wasn't. I actually studied marketing. Uh, right. And uh, to be fully honest, I can't cook. <laughs> so so Green Rebel Retail Packs is a solution for people like me who do not have the time to cook or who do not know how to mm-hmm. cook. And we want things like satay and rendang, five minutes ready, you know, from fridge to table. Mm-hmm. Max, on the other hand, um, his background is actually finance, then nutrition. Okay. I know it's very <laughs> funny and it's very uh, uncommon, but his grandfather uh, is actually one of the uh, master chef from China that came to Indonesia and leading uh, the culinary side of the first um, Chinese fine dining restaurant in Jakarta. Right, so culinary arts have, has always in been his in blood. his blood. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think it's in his blood. And, you know, like the grandfather used to cook for everybody until he right. was 99 years old. Mm, so, wow. I know, impressive. it's like culinary dedication and love. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway... Um, and you, you touched on, you know, Indonesia, uh, you have 10 branches. There, and I, I believe that reflects somewhat the uh, appeal for plant-based meat there. Uh, can you talk to us about, you know, what does the plant-based population, the consumer population look like in Indonesia? Yes, sure. Um, so actually, when we look at the consumers of plant-based meat in Indonesia, most of the consumers aren't vegan or vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Of course, vegans and vegetarians appreciate that and become loyal customers. But majority of the consumers are actually flexitarians. And I'm sure you know this term. Mm-hmm. It's basically flexitarians are people who are eating everything, but they intentionally reduce their meat and dairy consumption yes. 
for health, environment, or ethical reasons, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they would do like a few days plant-based in a week, but then they would stay flexible on the other uh, days or week. Mm-hmm. And so in Indonesia, actually, the number of flexitarians um, is the highest compared to other Southeast Asian countries. So we have 42% people in urban cities associating themselves as flexitarians. And what's interesting, in rural areas, actually, people are flexitarian by nature. Because our ancestral diet is semi-vegetarian. So we eat a lot of like plants, uh, protein that comes in the form of legume, tempeh, tofu, and occasionally animal protein. And typically in village, they would choose animal sources like either fish or um, seafood or a bit of chicken, Mm. but very little red meat actually in the villages. On the other hand, in the big cities where I guess people are earning more money, they see eating meat as a status symbol as well, right? And so the meat consumption is increasing in bigger cities. But these are also the group of people who care about health and who care about environment. Mm. So I guess plant-based meat is actually consumed by these urban consumers who are increasing their meat intake, but they want to eat something that is healthy and they want to contribute to the environment in a flexible way. Right. So I guess both rural and urban are, are your consumers, right? It's by nature. By nature, although in rural, the, their go-to plant protein will be the the naturally the legumes mm-hmm. they've been eating for centuries, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yes. Oh, that's really interesting. So, hmm, what is the business model like in Indonesia? I, I guess it's more B two C from from what I gathered. Um, it's actually so we actually do omni channel. Um, so we do B two B distribution. So in Indonesia, we work with uh, multinational FNBs like Starbucks, uh, Domino's Pizza, Sushi Tei, uh, and also the chef driven uh, or owner driven restaurants. Mm-hmm. Abuba Steakhouse. It's a local legendary steakhouse that has been there for thirty years, and they are now serving plant based steak using mm-hmm. our product. So we are now in about a thousand food service doors, I believe, in Indonesia. At the same time, uh, we also launch our retail packs. And this is for people who are, you know, cooking at home right. or people who are so busy and they would like to look for a convenient solution, you know, like flavored protein that they could just toast in a microwave or uh, put it on a stove. And basically, they would have their own veggies and rice ready. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. That's that's really interesting. But um, you have entered into a few countries uh uh, in 2022, including Malaysia, right? I guess Indonesians and Malaysians, we have really similar uh, palate profile when it comes to food, right? We we have our yeah. satay, our rendang, and we love our steak as well. So is this one of the reasons why you think you want to enter into Malaysia? Um, we expanded into Singapore, then Malaysia. And uh, for exactly that reason, right? We feel like we shared the love of Food, food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we are uh, used to the same types of spices, um, you know, uh, very, very similar mm-hmm. actually uh, mm-hmm. for Malaysia and Singapore. And uh, what I find very interesting about Malaysia, it's it's an international um, hub, especially I'm talking about KL. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many nationalities living there and it's quickly becoming a hotspot for, you know, plant-based food, mm-hmm. just like Singapore. You know how vegan food has been yes. so mainstream in Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. In every restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I see that Malaysia is catching up yes. to the level that Singapore is, like they're taking the plant-based meat Seriously, they don't want to just do like mediocre products, but it's really well done. It's really delicious. So then the flexitarians, people who eat meat and have higher expectation about how plant-based meat should taste, 
they're satisfied and mm. they keep coming back. So yeah, I think a combination of uh, the international culture, uh, the same palate when it comes to good flavors and uh, also the fact that the consumers have become more sophisticated to choose something that is healthier and sustainable and high quality is the reason why Malaysia is our second uh, export country. Brilliant. All right. It's time for some messages, but don't go anywhere. I'm here with uh, Helga Angelina. She is the CEO and co-founder of Green Rebel Food. Uh, they are a brand from Indonesia that has entered into the Malaysian market with their plant-based meat. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Better Finance Management, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Lily Chai. I'm here in the studio with Helga Angelina. She is the co-founder and CEO of Green Rebel Foods. So Green Rebel Foods is an Indonesian brand selling plant-based meat. Uh, before the break, we talked about, you know, the demographic of a plant-based population back uh, in Indonesia. What is the appeal like there and why they chose to come into Malaysia? Um, your products, I want to talk about them because they are really interesting. Uh, you claim your products to be uh, preservative-free with no MSG, no cholesterol, and no refined sugar. Um, are you placing yourself to be, you know, the healthier option in the market? Because, you know, there is this stigma and there is this preconception that plant-based meats are processed and hence the, their nutritional level wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be the same as a strip a piece of chicken. What are your thoughts on that? And, you know, are you placing yourself to become the healthier option? Yes, thank you, Lily. Uh, it's a question that I uh, get quite often. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, um, I guess let's uh, first define what is considered processed food or ultra-processed food. So um, a lot of people kind of use these keywords or uh, definition interchangeably, which isn't correct. So ultra-processed food is food that is so processed that the end product doesn't look anything like the source. And typically during the ultra-processed, ultra-processed means it's processed too heavily. So then the nutrition profile has become damaged. So typically ultra-processed food have three criteria, high in sugar, high in fat, high in salt. And basically they are lacking in all the phytonutrients, the vitamins and everything that makes good food healthy, right? right? Whereas processed food, if you go to a restaurant, it's a processed food because it's cooked, right? Right. So processed meaning that basically we use heat, we use water, we use steaming, we use some type of process that changes raw material from raw into cook. And you can go very heavy on sauce and salt and fat to make it very indulgent, taste good, but it's not necessarily the healthiest. Or you can process your food to be healthy food with uh, minimizing the additional sugar, salt, uh, just the amount of uh, spices and basically maintain the nutrition profile to be as healthy as possible. Um, and so plant-based meat would be under this processed food, but 
there is a spectrum, mm-hmm. right? There are some players that really focus on uh, replicating the molecular format of meat. So it cooks from red to brown. Uh, whereas there is also this clean label players that are focusing on, uh, I want to make sure that we use the most natural ingredients possible, delivering the highest nutrition profile possible. So that being said, uh, there are so many players within the spectrum. And Green Rebel, we actually focus on flavor, um, health, and nutrition. Mm. Of course, flavors is very important for us, right? And that's how we choose to develop some hero products that are very bold in flavors, such as rendang, uh, beefless satay, chicken satay, chicken karagi. But at the same time, we want to make sure that the products have superior nutrition profile. So it's lower in fat, lower in calorie, 0% cholesterol. Uh, so that's our uh, innovation philosophy. That being said, though, actually, there have been some evidence-based journals that are produced by Stanford and Oxford researchers comparing plant-based meat that isn't necessarily the healthiest or the cleanest label versus animal-based beef and chicken. Yeah, They wanted to compare the uh, effect on health people who are eating uh, animal protein every day, swapping their meat to plant-based meat. Mm. Uh, the result shows that people who swap their meat to plant-based meat alternatives still have health benefits, which actually reduce cardiovascular risk, reduce cholesterol level, and improve gut health because of the fiber content uh, that comes with plant protein. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's healthy, I think we always say, okay, it's healthier compared to what? And of course, you can choose which spectrum you want to play when it comes to clean label and nutrition profile. Right. Oh, that is really insightful. Then tell me, how do you source your ingredients to ensure that the the nutrition profile is met? And at the same time, your pledge to become, you know, sustainable. How do you source your ingredients to ensure both of that? So uh, the way we define sustainable is, and we like to use uh, an evidence-based approach uh, when it comes to this, right? Because sustainability is an idea that people typically uh, talk about or uh, some brands would do it for greenwashing. Mm -hmm. So what we do, we basically use a scientific method to say that, hey, yes, our products are more sustainable compared to the animal-based version. So the way we measure that is by using LCA, which is life cycle assessment. So what we do with every product category, we measure the environmental impact of our plant-based meat or plant-based chicken compared to the local beef or local uh, chicken. Essentially, it comes down to four things. One is global warming potential. Mm -hmm. How much less of global warming potential this plant-based meat Uh, provides in comparison to the animal-based version. And in our case, our beef have been proven uh, to have 90% less global warming potential than local beef. And our chicken uh, have 84% less global warming potential than chicken. Mm. And the global warming potential is calculated based on four things. Land use, uh, water use, energy use, and greenhouse gas emission. At the same time, I think we take a step further by making sure that we're trying to source our ingredients as mindfully as possible. Mm. Um, And the way we do it is by uh, actually having regional supply. So we source non-GMO soy um, and shiitake mushroom from the region. And we have this technology called Rebel Emulsion, where we combine water, sustainably sourced coconut oil from Indonesia, and some local seasoning uh, to basically create the juiciness and the flavor profile of the beef or the chicken. Mm. Yeah, so that's uh, how we kind of uh, try to commit to use, you know, more mindfully sourced uh, ingredients. Right, and with that being said, 
I guess you have experimented with so many different things, right? You have found different suppliers to, you know, work with what you want to ultimately achieve, right? So how many versions have you gone through for all these products? I don't think we are going to ever say that, hey, this is a fan, like this is it, right? Yeah. I think it's evolving all the time. Uh, and my partner, Max, is the one working in the lab and in mm. the kitchen to make sure, you know, we, we always come up with improved versions. But I can definitely say that for our Green Double Steak, which is one of our hero SKU for mm. B2B uh, solution, right now we are in version 12. Right. Yeah, rendang. Rendang is our first meat alternative yeah. that we developed back in 2018. Now we're in version 20. And then our chicken, we're, we're, we're still saying that we want to do better. I think we're now at like version 11. And we're, we're not done yet. Like we're not happy yet with our chicken. I guess as a creator, we are overcritical to ourselves and our <laughs> own creation. Uh, but we definitely, you know, have more versions coming up in the next few months. It's only evolving to be better. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> okay, it's time for us to take a short break for some messages. I'm here with Helga Angelina. She is the CEO and co-founder of Green Rebel Foods. Uh, it is an Indonesian brand that uh, sells plant-based meat. Uh, keep it here, BFM 89.9. Busy following Money Trail, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Lily Chai. I'm here with Helga Angelina. She is the co-founder and CEO of Green Rebel Foods. Uh, Green Rebel Foods is an Indonesian plant-based meat brand uh, and they have just entered into the Malaysian market recently. Uh, before the break, we are talking about their products and how they, they source their ingredients while being sustainable. And I want to ask, right, have you patented any of your production process. So you use a uh, non-GMO soy to achieve, you know, the, the chicken texture. You use mushroom to achieve uh, the beef texture. So have you patented any of these production processes? Yeah. When it comes to, I guess, IP protection, uh, patenting works best for novel ingredients. So let's say if I, I if we're about to make texturized chickpeas, Mm. that nobody has ever done before, then it, uh, patenting it um, actually is an effective strategy protect, to protect. Uh, but in our case, actually, our uh, technology comes in two forms. One is called rebel texturization. Uh, basically, how do we create fibrous meat texture or beef texture and chicken texture from the ingredients that you said? And rebel emulsion, which is basically um, our way to mimic animal fat using proprietary formulation. Mm. And for process and formulation, typically the best way to protect is the Coca-Cola way, which is trade secret. Yeah. And so to answer your question, uh, we are protecting our IP, the Coca-Cola way, using trade secret. Mm -hmm. So we have a few authorized rooms within the manufacturing facility and only two people in a company that knows how the whole process is done. So it's just you and Max, I assume. <laughs> it's Max and someone else. Oh, it's not you! <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to know this, uh, but yeah, at the moment it's Max and someone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. Uh, wait, um, how about your production process, right? Um, are you your own manufacturer? Is it all in-house or uh, are you, you know, partnering with other manufacturers to come up with their products? So our technology isn't 
used by other plant-based meat right. manufacturers. So typically, they don't even have the equipment to do so. Yeah, so right now we actually uh, produce everything from our uh, pilot facility that is able to produce 60 tons of products uh, a month. But we're going to move uh, to a commercial facility uh, with tenfold production capacity. So mm. we're going to be able to produce at least 500 tons of products a month. Perfect. Uh, there are a lot of reports saying that plant-based foods are seeing a decline in sales in the past few years since uh, 2020. And in Malaysia as well, the market is getting, I, I think, a little bit saturated. So how are you overcoming this Uh Is it partnering with the regional brands and the local brands or what strategies are you looking at? Mm. So I think when we look at the total meat consumption globally, uh, plant-based meat is close to 2% of the total meat consumption. Mm. And because of, I mean, in the past few years, it's been challenging times for a lot of people, right? It's pandemic and then it's about recession. And I think naturally people cut down spendings on high price items. Mm. And unfortunately right now, given the industry scale, plant-based meats are considered premium products, right? Um, so what we're trying to do um, to still be able to serve the community within this uh, condition We actually do a price uh, adjustment to make sure that our retail products will be on par yeah. with the animal-based version by the end of this year. So actually, that's the first adjustment that we make. Um, and at the same time, as we reach the economy of scale, we're also going to lower some of our base meat uh, price. So then it's become less of a big consideration for both consumers and Horeca partners, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, as I think you're very right, Lily. Uh, the way we typically introduce plant-based meat uh, is through partnering with the well-beloved brands in every market. Uh, so in, in Malaysia, for example, um, the first step of the launch is we work with more than 10 uh, beloved uh, restaurants that are known for very good plant-based food. Right. And then in the next coming months, we're going to launch with some of the well-known, uh, and I believe it's one of the most loved QSR brands in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And typically when we come in also, we want to make sure that our products are an alternative, a plant-based alternative that is healthy and sustainable to the dish that is so signature to the brand. Mm. So, you know, like say, if Malaysians like to eat their ayamera, then we want our products to be applied in ayamera. Right, yeah. right. So I think uh, you will in the future make localized products. Yes, that's oh, the idea. Right. Now, um, how about the funds that you have raised back in the early 2022? Uh, you raised seven million US dollars. How were the funds being used? The use of funds is uh, definitely going to the commercial facility. So it's going to be one of the very few uh, fully halal, fully vegan, FSSC certified, plant-based meat and dairy product uh, facility. And uh, the other part of the use of funds is basically for marketing and business development. Mm-hmm. So regional expansion to countries like Singapore, Malaysia, soon Vietnam, Philippines and South Korea are made possible because of that funding round. Right. Okay. So um, sustainability, as you said, is a lot of a focus of many consumers now as we become more sophist- sophisticated and educated about you know, sustainability. How are you incorporating that into your business operations and products besides, you know, creating products that are sustainably sourced and uh, what have you? So how are you incorporating that into your business operations? Um, I think the main and 
like I I believe as a, a company, mm. when we say we are sustainable, we want to focus to tackle the most important factor that makes our product sustainable, right? And for us, it's the product creation. Mm. Uh, product creation that is so similar to beef and chicken. So people can easily swap their favorite recipes with our plant-based beef and chicken because our impact is, we make the most impact when most people do that. Right. Basically, we save so much resources when a lot more people are swapping their beef to plant-based beef, mm. their chicken to plant-based chicken. And for us as a producer, we need to make sure that we deliver on the quality uh, when it comes to taste, texture, uh, application. The big thing in Asia is we are so used to cooking different meats in our beloved recipes, right? Laksa, satay, and not all plant-based meat are created equally. Yeah. You know, some meats would work well with this type of Asian cooking and some meats won't. Like mm. some meats will be disintegrated when it's put in high moisture cooking, yeah. like hot pot and everything. So this first step for us was how do we make plant-based beef and chicken that withstand different types of Asian culinary? Right. So it's like, a convenient solution and easy swap. People don't have to think. The second of all, of course, in our manufacturing, we're trying to do uh, more green practices mm -hmm. uh, from, I think, number one is the production process. How do we minimize food waste, right? So we're trying to use the whole parts of the ingredients to make the product formulation. So that's number one, minimizing food waste. Um, and actually, uh, the second type is how do we manage our organic waste? Because as a food manufacturer, that's something that we produce, yes. right? And in our commercial facility, we will have kind of like an organic waste um, management system within the facility. As energy, I mean, of course, even though we are still very, very low in energy usage compared to animal-based uh, version, we would like to be able to reduce it. And so uh, we're installing some solar panel, um, actually, as part of our energy efficiency project mm -hmm. in the commercial facility. Um, and yeah, other than that, I think we're just trying to be mindful on you know, uh, we have some company regulations where we encourage people to eat plant-based food during the work settings and work uh, environment. Mm -hmm. uh, we do a lot of like initiatives, like people have to bring their own tumbler. We won't Great. serve, you know, anything in plastic bottles. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are all those things also uh, on how we educate our employees to actually, um, mm -hmm. you know, lift the brand values, right? Wait. Right. Yeah. Everything starts within the company. Only then you can spread the message across, right? Correct. How about carbon emission, like carbon footprints? I know that one of the one of the goals that you you have is to reduce that. Um, but you're shipping to countries like Singapore, Malaysia, and some other uh, ASEAN countries as well. How are you trying to reduce that then? Yes, so uh, I love your questions, Lily, and this is a misconception that a lot of people think. A lot of people associate local food equal sustainable, mm. right? A lot of people. It's a notion that is easy to understand. But the truth is, if we look at life cycle assessment of how much is carbon emission being generated from every process of production, shipping only accounts for less than 5%. So actually, it matters most if you source plant-based ingredients from overseas compared to actually eating local animal-based version. And there are so many research that have shown that. Um, so basically, because transport only accounts for 5% of total carbon emission, actually, if you're able to uh, source your most protein from plants, it's still the most eco-friendly way when it comes to carbon emission totally. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. That is wonderful. 
Okay, on that note, I also want to ask, you know, coming into the Malaysian market, were there any challenges or are there any regulations that you have to comply with? Um, I think as long as the products are 100% halal, uh, it's uh, become pretty, you know, like uh, straightforward, I would say. And Indonesian FDA, uh, which is called Bepom, is actually one of the strictest uh, food regulatory approval certification that you can ever find in Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. to be very honest. So once you are Bepom certified, it's very easy for you to go to other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, you know, we have not had any challenges when we applied uh, to Malaysia um, and halal was like uh, Indonesian halal was like easily recognized by you know uh, the Jakim halal as well. So it was it's really straightforward. It took us a month, right? Okay. Yeah. So since you're you are in the market already, where can people find you? Um, so for dining, uh, consumers can find us in restaurants like Hungry Tapir. Hijau Kuala Lumpur, other cafe, Vicket Goods, The Vegan Place, uh, PC Studio, Tanoshi Mart, Atlas at Four Seasons, Berjaya Cafe, Simply Good Food and Sala Kitchen, and more coming soon. Uh, and then when if consumers want to try our retail products, they can find it in Cura, uh, The Vegan District, Atlas at Four Seasons, Energize, Simply Good Food, Hijau, and soon Grab Mart. All right, final question. Um... What are your future plans to, you know, you know, to get the message across like people? Because I believe Malaysia, uh, Singapore, Indonesia, we are, you know, huge meat consumers, right? We, we love our meat. How are you planning to, you know, spread the message across and get people trying uh, to eat plant-based meat or even incorporate it to, into their daily consumption? Mm. I think first of all, uh, the products have to deliver, mm. you know, and I, as I said, you know, meat eaters typically have higher standard of what is considered good food. Yeah. And basically we have to deliver to that expectation. So then they say, hey, you know, I actually don't mind eating this rundown because it tastes good. And then everything else, oh, it's plant-based, it's healthy, it's sustainable. It's become an added value after it's so good, right? Mm. Um, and second of all, I think the way we partner so we absolutely love with uh, partnering up with like-minded brands, vegan brands, uh, restaurants that have gone, uh, you know, like plant-based, uh, that have a lot of plant-based off- uh, options already. But actually the way we plan to introduce the plant-based meat alternative to the meat eaters who will then consider this otherwise is by partner- partnering up with players like steakhouses. Mm-hmm. And then, and which, which what we've, did, we've done in Indonesia and Singapore, we're partnering up with like some of the most famous uh, steakhouses. And then, you know, some people would be like, oh, really? There is a plant-based meat in a steakhouse. I want to try. Mm-hmm. And then if they like it, they would come back, even though they're not vegan or vegetarian. Right. Because you, 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 you rarely find vegans and vegetarians <laughs> going to steakhouses, right? Yeah. Um, and actually brands that are so mainstream, right? So our goal it's not only to work with the premium MNBs, but we want to work with the mass QSR that are serving a lot of people in that market. And we want to be able to say, hey, you know, you can eat your ayam geprek, for example, but fully vegan, fully healthy, fully sustainable, and it tastes the same, if not better. Mm. And ideally, we are able to work with our partners not to price it too high, right? It has to come at an affordable price. So then it's sustainable for the pockets of the consumers (laughs) as well. Yeah. Yeah, So I guess that's uh, the basic, the big ideas on how we view partnerships and product formulations. All right. Thank you so much for spending time with me, Helga. 
Thank you, Lily. Uh, I really enjoyed our chat and your very um, well-taught questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're, you are giving me very insightful answers, I would say. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I've been speaking to Helga Angelina. She is the CEO and co-founder of Green Rebel Foods. And they are an Indonesian brand selling plant-based meat that has recently entered into the Malaysian market. Uh, if you miss any part of this show, you can of course go ahead and download the full conversation on our website at bfm.my or the whole new BFM app that is available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I'm Lily Chai and this has been Open for Business here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.